hello and welcome to Café with Strangers. Um, and today I have Christina, a fellow Mexicana. Hi. <laughs> All right, yes. so we'll go ahead and get straight to it um, because as you noticed, I went into a lot of tangents. So you're from Aguascalientes. Yes. Um, what age did you come over here? You said you were born there and then you came over here. Yes, yeah, so I was born there and then my family and I came when I was going to turn three. And huh. we went to LA and then we moved here to Washington. Um, so yeah, I've been here actually for 25 years now, but we immigrated a long time ago. And so we came from Aguascalientes. We still have family in LA, but a lot of our family is also now here in Washington. Okay. Do you, you're three years old, do you remember, you don't remember the journey? Um, I do. Did you remember <laughs> oh, of the course. journey? Oh my God. Okay, well, I was going to say, like, do you have a story about that? It's like, just like, I think sometimes it's wild to think about how you're so young and stuff like this happens. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just my own personal thing. Um, and I'm really open to sharing things too, because I just, I'm, I just don't care. Like whatever, like yeah. I'm pretty much like an open book. I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have vivid dreams, like dreams, memories of like when we crossed over and it yeah. was just me and my mom because my dad was already here and yeah. we crossed with so many guys, which, you know, you don't even realize like that could have been unsafe and scary, but these men were the men carrying me on their shoulders the whole trip. And so while we're crossing and stuff, it's like cold. I remember it vividly being cold and I would wear their socks as like mints and I have memories of that. And so then we get here. I have and it, yeah. <laughs> so we get here, we go to LA. To be honest, my life in LA, I feel like I have more memories of my life like in Mexico with my family, some with LA, but other than that, my life really starts when I'm here. We just had to move here. We had no family here. My dad was the first person, kind of had like some friends of friends who lived in Washington yeah. and we came here. But he was the first one in our family to just be like, All right, let's do it. And then everyone who was in LA who was his direct sisters, brother followed us here and we've been here now that's crazy but yeah I don't know Washington just we had nobody here and now this is where we're at and I love it but it's crazy I have family all over the states yeah I have a lot of family on the west coast um and then I have random female members in Chicago Texas um Boston and so my family when they came here they my dad also came mm-hmm. to to LA first or that general area and then he went up to the bay area okay and the only reason I'm here is because I wanted to move here. I have family in Washington, very little, but I was like, hey, hi, I want to be there, so I'm going there. And, so, and like, what was the appeal of Washington to you? The topo- to- topography. So pretty much what I see out there, Trees. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I, the I, green. Yeah, I came to visit here when I was around, well, no, I already had my dog. So I think it was around 15 the first time I came to visit here, and I just fell in love with it. It was up in Bellevue, because um, my aunt's up there, and I just fell in love with it. Yeah, when my cousins come from LA, they'll tell us, they're like, you don't have to plan anything special, just take us on drives, and like, we went to Leavenworth, have you ever been to Leavenworth before? We went to Leavenworth, we took them one, like, one summer, and then somewhere, like, we take for granted, because if you're from here, you're just like, oh, Leavenworth, Twerp, whatever, Um, but we took them, my cousins said one of her favorite parts was literally the drive, and seeing all the trees on the road and everything, and for me, that's stuff that, I I think before then, I would take it for granted, because it's just what I know, but now I'm, like, driving with my sister, I'm like, isn't this so beautiful? Yeah. Um, And I took her, she goes to school in Spokane, I took her to Spokane last week and I drove back on myself and there's a sign that says like scenic stop and oh, I've never stopped yeah. and that day I was like fuck I'll stop and so I stopped and it was just so beautiful people were like did you go on a hike I was like no this is literally just like a flat trail but yeah like it's for us to just go view and it was beautiful and so I think yeah. now I'm trying to like embrace it more and like love it more because it is what we have and you know people yeah. individuals like yourself who come over here for that and some yeah. of us are just kind of like oh it's just part of our life so i'm being from the Bay area it's kind of like how i imagine people seeing the bridge to go to get bridge yeah it, i forget sometimes how it's a worldwide yeah 
monument kind of yeah. thing. And I forget. And there were times where, um, where I worked at a place, I literally would see it every single time I'm away in the morning mm-hmm. to, on, on my commute to, to work. And it blows my mind because you just forget about that stuff. Um, anyways, that was a little tangent already. <laughs> okay. Um, I do want to say, too, sometimes yeah. I talk very fast. Oh, and me it's too. something okay that I'm working on. So if there's listeners and they're like, damn, this bitch won't slow down. I work on it. And <laughs> I've been told before, like I go to therapy, my therapy has said some therapist has said sometimes when you talk so fast, you're not giving another person a chance to process what you're saying. Yeah. And what happens is you can overwhelm them as much as maybe you feel overwhelmed. So right now I'm not overwhelmed. Yeah. But when I get points across, I like to just boop, 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 go into it. I'm very similar in that sense. And to me, I guess like that's one of the things I've only been diagnosed with ADHD for what? for a couple of months. Uh-huh. It's been less than six months and it's been less than a year since I was like, oh okay. shit, I think I have it. Um, and so that's one of the things that I came to realize or was informed of that fast talking is one of them. Okay. So I'm already going to be a fast talker and I stumble and mumble over my words. Adderall helps. Um, <laughs> but that's another thing is like, if, if someone has a hard time with the speed of how we're speaking, that this podcast just may not be for them just because I, I try to work on it, but it's not. Or you know what? They can do the 0.5 speed. Or like or that, <laughs> at my speed, I do 1.2 to 1.5 speeds, depending yeah, on how they're talking. It exactly. That's another, that's another thing. Maybe you'll notice my mistakes more in there. Uh, <laughs> so, no, it's totally fine. Go ahead and okay. talk how you want. Um, and you already mentioned that you grew up a little bit or you spent time in L.A. and mm-hmm. then came over here. Um, so, I was actually also born in Mexico. I'm okay. from Jalisco. Oh, and nice. I had no... It's embarrassing how little I know of my own country because like, like the different states within it, with different states within it, because like, literally I had no idea Puerto Vallarta was a few hours away from me. Yeah. Up until a year ago. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I get, I'm having, like, I go with goosebumps right now, but I think it's just because I'm, I'm a little, it's embarrassing, but it is in a sense embarrassing, but at the same time, it's just, I, w- I only went to Mexico. I went to those little few towns. I came back to the States and that's what yeah. it was. Um, and so one thing I wanted to touch base on, since you're the first Mexicana that I'm also talking with, oh, is okay. whenever it comes up in conversation that I was born in Mexico, I um, I feel like the urge really quickly to be like, oh, oh, I'm a citizen, but I'm a citizen. And I think that's just from growing up and seeing how stigmatized it was it, that I, in my brain, I'm, I'm, all, all, I, I'm always like wanting to state that. Yeah. Um, and... This is exciting then that you would have me on because I'm not a citizen. Okay. And I'm actually the opposite way. I love to let before I would get really nervous because, right, like this is not something you're supposed to disclose. Yeah, whatever. And now, like, let's say I'm working with people or individuals who are born in Mexico and they're older than me. Yeah. I like to let them know because I don't know why in me, and this is maybe a conversation you'll probably have with other people or maybe not, or maybe a listener can resonate. Yeah. Sometimes I feel the need to maybe like validate, like, no, no, no. But I'm also like you, like I also came here and I maybe not have the same, op- no. And so I, it's something that I try to navigate. I don't know why. Like, Hey, you know, yeah. I, I was raised here and I grew here my whole life, but also there's, you know, I also per- I have to reapply to be able to work to this country in this country. And so that's when I'm constantly reminded, like I am not from here. Yeah. And so for me, I'm totally okay with like vocalizing it before it was something that was tricky I think in high school I have stories with friends that we didn't really find out the gravity of it or like how big of a deal it was until you're like in high school applying for FAPS or applying for college and then you're like oh shit that's actually not something that's like I can do Mm -hmm. um but up until then I think I grew up 
and I guess just kind of get, getting in the sense of how we grew up. I grew up here in Federal Way. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the same apartment complex for 20 years. Oh, wow. Up until my family moved just a couple years ago. And all of my friends, friends that I had there growing up were also undocumented, were also born in Mexico. Yeah. And so we were all just these kids who that was the only life we knew. And then we got to high school and it wasn't the case. Yeah. And it was, you know, it wasn't similar. And so now I think that all of us are older. Some people have gotten married or some people have been able to apply or whatever the case may be. I think for some of us, it's still like, oh, no, but like, also, I'm still in this situation and that's okay. But I need to be more vocal about it because, you know, there's still kids who are maybe like 18, 17, yeah. 16 who are and who are like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. So for me, not being a citizen is terrifying to me mm-hmm. because of how I grew up thinking or it was told of me. So I am very fortunate that um, while that I didn't have to do any of that paperwork or anything like that. My dad became a citizen and whatever through that process I did. I'm actually the only child. Uh, I have my two siblings that was oh, born in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. It, the way that I always saw it or was presented to me is it's the difference between walking on a paved road, a paved road and on a tight road. Um, okay. because I have family members that were born here, that were born in Mexico. Um, I have family members that were born in Mexico, but are citizens now. So like, it's a variety, but I always saw like negative things, the, the struggles that, that people that I knew in my life, friends and family, that what the, they, the opportunities that they couldn't have because it weren't, they don't have that old citizenship status. Yeah, of think, you know, um, like recently, um, about two years ago, almost two years, two years ago, oh my gosh. Almost two years ago, uh, my grandma passed away and on my mom's side of the family and everyone on that side of the family either uh, was able to go to Mexico or um, was already in Mexico, Mm -hmm. except for one uncle. Mm -hmm. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. That was heartbreaking because he couldn't go to his mother's funeral. And I'm getting goosebumps right now, but it's more so just because of how devastating that is because um it was a huge obviously it's, a, it's like a big thing and when we were finding out that she was passing away the family got together and seeing my uncles because being Mexican being Latin American machismo is very prominent mm-hmm. and to see um my male like uncles crying the breakdowns that they had because of it, it was it's it was just different an experience to see them crying like that because you don't see that they're yeah. they're not they're not allowed to do that yeah. and um it broke my heart to know when that situation was going on that my uncle would not be able to go because he was not going to be able to come yeah, back and i think it's difficult because i think what let me see how i can word this in a way i i lived with a lot of like bitterness and mm-hmm. like coraje about it right yeah and so i think for me it's difficult because when i hear something like that and like i said i've had all my friends have lost their citizens right and so i get the Oh, it's that. But then for us, like for me, I guess speaking for myself, sometimes it's like, well, that's just been my reality, you yeah. know? Um, and it's because it's things we see. Like my grandmother passed away 20 years ago and my dad didn't go. They just got the call and everyone was like, should we go? Should we go? And he was like, no, we're not. That We're just not going to go. We're just because we can't. So we'd rather send money instead of whatever the money we're going to spend, whatever the whatever we need to do, we'll just send the money. And that's just how it is. My other grandmother passed away a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and it was the same. My mom said, okay, you know, and that's, and it sucks. Yeah. But and it's and it's something that I think we just live with. And what sucks is that we just learn to accept it. You know, I I hate that that's what people have to come to. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first got the notice that I was a citizen, I was going to, to Mexico with my cousin and my sister. And I remember the guy saying, oh, you're a citizen. 
Uh-huh. I was like seven or something. I was like, okay, like what does that mean? <laughs> I didn't understand that. Yeah. And then getting a little bit older is when I started hearing more stories about um, basically what it meant to be a citizen and what it means if you're not a citizen. Yeah. And when oh, I can't imagine, okay. When Trump became president, I had a new fear unlocked. I was I was so taken back. I was I can you not when that when it was happening and I saw that he was winning. I remember I was there with my dad. And I was like, I was in disbelief. Okay, but can I tell you something? Dis- yeah, like okay, Monica, as it was no surprise to me. I was like, <laughs> and that's what I think about. It's like in that moment, I was like, oh my god, everyone's freaking out. Yeah. Oh no, your life is gonna be so hard. Like we've been living like this forever. I, I think <laughs> so I like just what, want, I was like what did you guys expect from this country like what did anybody yeah. expect from this country that has given people like let's say we're talking to people like me like shit forever like you just have to fucking work like yeah. I think for me it was like it was also such an old school mentality that I think I navigate to with my parents and my family it's like you know yeah like oh he's president we're gonna keep doing what we can do like the, yeah. the world could not stop for us because it hadn't stopped for us in years yeah. before and People before Obama deported more kids and probably families. I didn't know that. See, and nobody knows that. But you know that when it affects you. And that's what's yeah. difficult. So then when Trump got elected, I fucking cried. I was miserable. I didn't want to go to work the next day. Yeah. But I thought to myself, life has fucking sucked sometimes for yeah. a while. And it's going to keep sucking for people like adults who yeah, are still yeah, going yeah. through. So I'm just like, it's just crazy because now it affects so many other people, you know? Yeah. But now everyone's like, but damn, the country, I was like, what do we expect from this country? I had no expectations for it. I don't know if it was because I was naive or that citizenship privilege that I had or the fact that I grew up in Idaho and California combination um, is I just was shocked that that many people were that dumb. <laughs> and that to, to but also them. because we live in this like bubble. Like even I can say that about the PNW. I I. I think that's the point. Yeah, we live in this like rainbows and butterflies, and we're all happy, and we all love each other, and da 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 da. And you know, but even with certain cases, it's like everyone can be like performative. Yeah. However, when shit hits the fan, that's the reality. Like you know, when everyone's like, "Oh, seventy three percent of white women voted for Trump," did it? I'm like, duh. Like. For me, it was like, you live in this world and Seattle is so liberal or these cities are so whatever. And Seattle is voiced in this way. But you grew up in federal way like I did. And you know that we're still like, it's schools have no funding, the money, the teachers, you know, the representation and this mm-hmm. is in our communities, like just the support. So I'm just like, I don't know, like, obviously, I wish we could also have like this beautiful, like, encapsulating bubble, like yeah. happiness. But the reality is like, there's like midwest america and like all these other places in america who are not feeling any kind of like the way pnw is at least or like seattle or you know maybe the people that you're going to be interviewing that's one of the things that i think so yes it's a bubble especially when you're in such a liberal state Mm -hmm. like you go down what like half an hour down to like south of olympia and stuff this one time i was driving down i was actually heading down to portland and i kid you not I saw it was a little bit south of Olympia. I literally at least 200 vehicles, a lot of them were trucks with Trump flags, American flags going just on the Have you been direction. to the east side, like Chelan, Yakima Valley? Oh, no. Glasgow? I've heard. Yeah. And honestly, I, look, I, I lived in Idaho. I have had <laughs> my fair six years 
of living around white people, white yeah. people that were racist, conservative, very bigoted mindsets. I don't want to put myself in that situation because I already know how angry I get. I have family in Idaho still, and that's the only reason I will ever go back to visit. Yeah. And I say that it's going to take something really fucking dramatic for me to ever move back there because I was in, I was there as a teenager. So for me, I got very, very um, traumatized by the environment because yeah. I went, it was such a culture shock. It was such a culture shock to be around so many, like, white people and their environment and how they went about things so for me i'm like i don't want to be in that because i know what it's like i i, I just i don't when people talk <laughs> exactly. about idaho and like it comes up in conversation i say don't take my like my 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 opinion is biased so just be aware of that of course and i say i don't fucking like it yeah and i and that's the thing is that i think when people think about washington and the pacific northwest they yeah. probably just think of seattle when in reality, there's so many other cities here. And so what happens is when you do get more to like the eastern side of the state, you are going to pass, like when I drive back from like maybe visits over there or whatever, you are going to pass so many of the flags or like voting for the Republican governors and everything, you know, because that area over there is a little bit more friendly. Yeah. So. And I don't want to say that just because, okay, this, I am trying to see the bigger picture kind of person. Mm -hmm. Like I, you may be this, you might have this opinion, you may look like that or whatever. And subconsciously your brain is going to think of an opinion. Yeah. And so for me, I, it's just because you're a Republican, it doesn't mean anything, but my brain tends to be like, mm, just because it's like <laughs> a lot, especially nowadays, Republican, you fall, they tend to be like, this is not. So I'm like, are you like that? But also think about it, how we as people of color, maybe Latinas or maybe Mexicans or whatever the case may be, is like we always have to be on high alert. There is a sense where it's like you kind of can't trust. Like I would love to think that everyone in this world is nice, but you cannot just trust that people's intentions are always positive. Yeah. And so I think that's what I think I tend to still live my life a little bit more on high alert mm -hmm. and I'm not as trusting. And I am first kind of testing the waters of people before I kind of open up if maybe they're from a demographic that I don't feel comfortable with, which might be white. I mean, it is white. Yeah. So that's when it gets a little bit difficult. For me. Let me go with this. Um, I don't consider myself a POC because I have white privilege. Mm -hmm. And someone once told me that, and I kind of already mentioned, I mentioned it in the first episode, um, but basically because I have white privilege and I have not had to go through similar experiences, I don't consider myself a person of mm -hmm. color. I am, I, I have white privilege. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why I was a lot more naive to like, the Trump situation and everything like that because oh, yeah. I wasn't I never realized that color was an issue because when I grew up in the Bay Area being white was a minority okay I was around a whole bunch of different people I have cousins that are whiter than I I have cousins that you can't you would think like y'all are related kind of thing so because of that variety and that difference that I would go up in and because I was constantly going to Mexico I'm so so happy that I got it really humbled me being able to go to Mexico every summer because um, it helped me with this, my Spanish. It definitely gave me a different perspective of like the privilege that just being like in America yeah. has. Um, and where the hell was I going with this? I did not realize how naive this sounds when I wrote this down until just now. Um, I had written down when Trump became president, I was in disbelief that it was real. Um, and for a period of time, I was genuinely terrified that I was gonna lose my citizenship status, like that he was gonna do something. <laughs> that was going to make it be revoked or whatever and because of that's just how the re and so for me I, that goes to show my privilege in not only being a citizen but having like that white privilege where i've never had experience racism pretty, pretty much um a lot of people especially with my accent or my, my english mm -hmm. i don't have really an accent i've been yeah. told so it's like 
I am a little, I don't want to say I'm embarrassed. It's just, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware. But you know what? I can respect that. Yeah. And so I think with this, it's like conversations are important to have. And I feel like I love what you're doing with the podcast. And I think that's why I replied because there's so many of us and so many of us grew up so differently and so many of us have so many different point of views and we're not and I think that's why it's tricky is because there's stuff that connects us obviously about you know our families kind of have the same beliefs or ideals growing up or like the same ways of food we eat or culture just things that connect us however once we're here in the United States this can be a completely different lived experience yeah and I think it takes a lot to admit what you're admitting Oh, you know, I do. I do think that because sometimes people live in just ignorancy and I'm just like, and I think that's what makes me more, more bitter. And I think also too, it's like, we have to also find ways to just laugh about it and be like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Like I remember that was your worry. We were in a group chat with my cousins and I was like, I can't wait for all you anchor babies to get your papers taken away as a joke, because that's what, you know what I mean? Because everyone's like, fuck this, like whatever, like but we hope that it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so I can respect that and I can appreciate that you're having this conversation because yeah. And so sometimes I do say like, you know, things or maybe I come off kind of like, como bruta, you know, yeah. like really strong about things. But I think it's just, it's also realizing like everyone grows up so differently and I just, I mean, we, it's just trying to understand each other. Yeah. But you did something that I really want to get back to mm-hmm. how you said that you don't resonate with like being Mexican, like the American part. It took me a while to, to accept that I was American too, mm-hmm. because I did not want to be like, I'm Mexican, don't, no, no, just, I'm not American, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. but that is a reality of my life. Mm-hmm. I, but I did grow up here and I did just, my experiences here are a little bit different. I am, I do have American experiences. And so it, it took me a while to kind of accept that because I didn't want to accept that American part of me, but it's like, it's, it's it is who I am. It, I am a Mexican American. I am both. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And that's, I identify like that because that is, I'm not gonna. And I think it's just because like the whole, like, <laughs> I hate that like America is right now. Not that hate. Um, oh, so it's like the connection now that you may have. There you go. You're American and there you go. Assume based on Thank what you all for Americans me. are. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I've been kind of reclaiming that as like I'm Mexican American. I'm not just Mexican. I have my connection and background to but I, country, yeah, and so. to both countries. Mm-hmm. And like I I'm a citizen and I think I'm a citizen of Mexico still because I, I I like I don't even know how that shit works. I don't know if I lose my citizenship or like whatever happens. But anyways, um I just wanted to touch base on that. It's like yeah. we're both Mexicanas, but we just identify a little bit differently. And to me, I'm like I wanna be able to oh, I know what I was going with. Mm. So I never really had that many Latin American friends. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that was difficult because it kind of made me feel like I was, uh, it made me feel less connected to my Mexican roots. And so I had the physical aspects of it that I was always kicking myself in the butt for. Um, and the, just like the experiences, social experiences in school, like in high school, like no one talking about high school, like to have those mixed into two that's kind of the reason why I ended up crying. It's like, it was bringing back old memories of how I made myself feel. Yeah. And so. And it's stuff that's difficult to process. I mean, even when we're older, you yeah. know, there's stuff that still we resonate with that we're just like, oh shit, that's a problem that maybe came from like culturally yeah. just biases and prejudices yeah. that I had to put maybe on myself or put to others. And like I said, even as myself, I could admit 15 years ago, maybe I would have also been making the same questions, but you know what? We fucking grow up and we educate ourselves and we learn. And yeah. I think that's what people, I think right now is like, 
as a society, we have to understand that there's so many different aspects of us. And if we continue to just narrow down what we expect of our community, it makes it so that we don't want to support the community. It makes it so that we don't feel comfortable in the community. Mm -hmm. And I think about that because like, for example, I'm such a community person and I think about like how I would love to serve my community Mm -hmm. and how I'd love to serve my people. And I think there's so many different ways, but we're all just trying to figure ourselves out. And so the music, the taste, the stuff that we do, I think people try to connect, right? Because when you connect with someone, it's like, there's this, I don't know, like something special about mm-hmm. like, oh, where are these two people? And we kind of get it. Yeah. But then when you're not part of the group, then it kind of feels like, oh, what the fuck? Like, what about me? Yeah. You know, and I can see that. But I think too, it's like, what I love about the younger generation, because to be honest with you, I don't think it was a, the younger generation commenting on no. TikToks. It's people our age. No, it's you know? our age. I'm going to be 29, it's people our age. Like it's people yeah. who are just still kind of ignorant, who kind of don't know. I think about this community. And so something, for example, like in my personal life, right? I went to Federal Way High School. I graduated from there. I went to all schools in Federal Way. When I came back one year to Federal Way High School, I was talking like on a panel or something. And I told them like, oh, one day I would love to come back and teach here. And they said, yeah, that'd be great because, you know, the Latino community is over 60%, but the staff is too. And I remember there was like a Colombian counselor and like maybe a, 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 a Tejana teacher. It was like that was a Latin community. Mm-hmm. And I remember I just never felt like I resonated with either either of them, you yeah. know? But I think because there's so many of us, I think that now the way we're all so different growing up and we're going to be in our 30s and we're going to be like these individuals who have so much, you know, things that can differentiate ourselves, but also kind of make us connectable to like relatable to like the younger generation. I think for me, that was really special. And I thought about that. I was just like, well, no wonder it's kind of like isolating when you're in school and you're like, oh, sure, I'm documented, but also I'm Mexican, but also this. And there's no teachers who really understand this. And so what am I going to do? I think when I thought about your podcast and the reason why I did reply was because it's like, oh, that's someone that I can connect with. And that's someone that I could, you know, what they're trying to do is maybe serve their community and get people to have conversations. And for me, I think about how I'd want to do that. And I think it's like, we have so many like Latina women, Latina youth, like people in this generation who are just really trying, you know, and they're doing so much and they're trying to learn all these fucking terms and they're trying to deal with all this ideology, but also these girls Maybe they're not the girls who, like, back in the day, like us, wanted to go and go to Vilas or to whatever. Go to, no, maybe they might be different, and that's totally okay, too. Yeah. But how can you learn from them, and how can we learn from them? Yeah. And I think what I've seen more about the younger generation is that, yeah, there's a lot of, like, there was a cyberbullying back in the day, but they're so much more open to conversations. They're so much more open to conversations. They're so much more open to, like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever that person identifies as, that's fine. You know, it's so much more of the younger generation who is more vocal about, like, oh, this is the kind of music that I like, and it is different from what you like, and it's mm-hmm. not anything what my parents listen to, but that's totally cool, too. And they make it, like, cool. It's, like, a cool thing, you know? Yeah. Whereas, like, where us growing up, it was, like, you didn't want to admit that you like something different because who knows how your friends would react, you know? We do need – it's, like, the reality is that we do need podcasts like these for people to listen and maybe get more point of views. You know, it's like you said, the bare minimum, maybe we just connect just me and you, but at maybe one person listens and they're like, okay, cool. I, you know, yeah. I resonate with Monica, I resonate with Christina and that's okay. Yeah. I resonate with neither. And fuck it. Whoever's listening and you resonate with either of us. Good. You have your own lived experiences and that's it. Yes. Oh yeah. Like you're, you're saying so many points that I either didn't think of, or I, I was feeling, but didn't have the words to say when we talk about different privileges, right, we talk about the privilege of, like, being a citizen, the privilege of these things, or privilege of our, maybe, you know, we have lighter skin than other. The privilege of being straight. The privilege, but also the privilege of, if we could come out to parents, that they wouldn't be people that would abandon us, right? Because there are people who are not going to come out for that very reason. I think that's also a demographic. You have to understand that within our community, we have to. Because it's like, when I think about it, I came out to my parents 
almost three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I never had the worry with my dad Mm -hmm. or even with my mom. Mm -hmm. Like they would stop talking to me Mm -hmm. and never cross my mind. And I acknowledge that I have a privilege that not a lot of people can have. Mm-hmm. So while there may be other areas in life where I could be lacking or maybe not be at the full potential, right, being undocumented, there are areas like this where when it comes to sexuality and identity, I am somebody who's been able to process it more because I've had family who's been on board with it. Mm-hmm. They may not understand it. Yeah. And there were questions that were just like, oh, you know, but what we, but they were never disrespectful about it. Mm-hmm. And if I did have a female partner, they were willing to meet her. So it's just like, I can also understand that too, that it's like, there's going to be listeners who are going to listen and probably have different experiences. And as we go back to it, it's like, that's what we all are. It's like just these people made up so many different experiences, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's like, you don't have to put yourself in that position with your grandparents. I think about that with my grandparents too. My grandpa came from Mexico to a year ago. And this was when I had already come out. And mm-hmm. since like my family knows, obviously this man does not know, mm-hmm. but for some reason, most of his conversations were so homophobic. And my grandpa is very involved in the church, like the Christian church. And I have not been like, I've, I'm not a Christian anymore. So it's just like, he's having these conversations. I've never felt uncomfortable, but I recognized like until that moment, but I recognized, oh, I feel uncomfortable right now. There's people that feel like this all the time around their own parents. Right. And I was like, what a fucking privilege that it's just my grandfather who might come from Mexico, might not, might, you know what I mean? Whereas like there's people who are dealing with this fucking every day from the people who literally gave them birth. Whereas like when I told my mom, she was like, I know, yo ya les he dicho que no quiero escuchar nada de eso, no, no me gusta, ellos ya saben, you know, like she was like, no, like I have your back. But I was like, what a fucking privilege because as I'm sitting there uncomfortable, I don't have to repeat that once I go home, you know? And so it's just like that to me is also wild and it's stuff that we have to acknowledge and recognize too. And I think be very self-aware in who we are as individuals. That's how we go back to like, all these people who are haters, it's like, there's nothing wrong with yeah. admitting that you're wrong and willing to learn and yeah. change and yeah. just, because like, that's what i think too it's like even that with my sexuality it's like it's just awareness and it's what i can understand that nobody and it's rare to have experience that are maybe as positive as the one that i had yeah like it's rare i mean the fact that you're mexicana like that's already boom like and you know what i don't want to share this story too just to, when i told my dad he was one of the first people i said you know, so say no con alguien. He said, oh, está bien. And I said, es una muchacha. Mm-hmm. He said, y que? He said, y que? And I thought to myself, wow. Like, that's how simple it can be. But I know that there's not other men, maybe other women, other parents who might take it that simple. Yeah. But this this guy said, y que? And I said, you're right. Y que? And I remember when, I, when we would have conversations about it. And the reason why I'm so vocal and I'm so open about who I am as a person with my life is because he literally said, he's like, Nunca quiero que andes en la calle y que andes con tu pareja y que no puedas decir, esa es mi pareja. Por pensar en, oh, que van a pensar de mí, que van a pensar de su, que, de su papá o de su yeah. mamá, you know, like, because like, oh, his daughter likes a girl. He's like, don't ever think about me in the sense of that, because I don't care if my name, if your name comes up, like, oh, can you believe, you know, Cristina, la hija de da, 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 da. He's like, no me importa el que dirán. Like, he does it. And I think that is something I can respect about this man, who maybe in other things is still working on, right? Because our parents still work on shit. Yeah. But I think for that, it was, like, such a such a moment that I thought to myself, how lucky am I? But I think that's why I'm so vocal, too. Because if my own fucking father is telling me, don't ever give a fuck about what these people are saying. And I remember in that, when we would have a he'd be like, y no me importa, y somos un lugar, y alguien te dice algo, alguien te... He's like, yo los corto, y los cortamos a la familia, ya nunca vamos a... And I was like, dude, it's oh not that God. serious. Like, for me, I was, even, awesome. for me, I was <laughs> even like, dude, it's not that serious. Like, yeah. I'm fine. 
And yeah. I can understand there's people who are not going to be okay with it. I can understand there's going to be aunts and uncles maybe who are going to be so, like, uncomfortable with it. Yeah. So I even told him, I was like, you know, if I do have a partner, like, I don't have to bring her around, like, if it makes you and my mom uncomfortable. Or, like, I don't have to bring her around my family. He's like, I'd rather have you happy than have people around us, like, even if they're family who are not happy for you. And I was just like, wow. I know maybe now to this day, I don't know if this is obviously right, our parents, what plans they have for us when we're younger right they come to this country sometimes I joke with my sister like you think my mom and dad came to this country thinking oh my god our daughters are gonna be like on antidepressants and they're gonna be all these goofy people and like all this shit no probably not no <laughs> that's the vision they had right you think your mom was like yeah I my daughter or Monica one day is doing a podcast like who knows what they wanted for us yeah right and so I think to myself like I can understand and I can still empathize and still think to myself I'm sure my parents are still even navigating my identity because, you know, coming out for me was also maybe for them. It's like a situation too. Like, I know my mom's been asked before, like, oh, yes, okay, Cristina, anda con esa muchacha. You know, like, did you ever expect that? And it's just like, that must fucking be hard, yeah. you know, to be a mom and be hearing those things. Yeah. And you have to speak up if you're my mom, because my mom does. And my mom's like, well, no, it's fine. You know, Cristina's always, you know, done her own thing. Yeah. You know, so it's like the fact that our parents who are still maybe navigating their own shit, now having to navigate with our shit, and if they can or cannot be accepting, it's like, I have to give props to also who my parents are as individuals, because I know, I know for a fact that the way our culture is and the machismo that's in it and the homophobia that's in it and the words that are still used about lesbians or gay guys or this or whatever, it's like, ill, you know, yeah. but I have to give like props, like it's a fucking learning experience. Mm-hmm. And just the same way that I'm learning about who I am as an individual, they are too. And maybe they might have questions about why or da 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 da, but it's like, I can have those conversations because I know at least they're safe conversations with them. Yeah. We can go ahead and skipping out. Like, I'm going to go ahead and skip down to like talking about um, being part of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is just like a somewhat baby gay thing or just like a, maybe mm-hmm. everyone feels this way, but I love hearing other people's stories because it's, well, it, it's validating. Yeah. Because like, Hey, this is my story. How was it for you? And so, yeah. um, I guess, how was that process for you? Like, did you always know? Did no. you, like, always, like, how, how did you? <laughs> I think like, I'm like, <laughs> I was probably trying to repress things because, can I tell you something? It wasn't yeah. until three years ago. And the only reason, I was, I had a therapy. I don't want to talk too much about, you know, because I also want to keep that area private about this individual, whatever. But I was with? so into her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's someone who's still in my life. I was, like, I'm into her in a way that's like not a normal way, mm-hmm. normal quotations. I'm using yeah. quotations. And I remember I just went to my therapist who I still see to this day. And I said, Hey, you know, like, I don't know. Like I just kind of get this excitement. And she gave me this analogy. I wish I still fucking remembered it, but she <laughs> narrowed it down to like something so simple, you know, like don't think of it too much if you don't need to. Cause I was like, and my friends, and what am I going to tell them? Because I'm, in my friend group, there are no gay girls, right? Which is crazy. You're the token gay. Which is crazy. <laughs> not even a token because it's not a conversation that ever. And everyone was mm. totally okay with, but I was nervous. I was like, what if I only like her, but then I never like a girl again? And what is that going to be of me? Are they going to think that I made this spectacle about this or whatever, right? Like all these things that are, you're thinking that it's just like, oh, what the hell? Like everyone's kind of having these similar thoughts. Maybe, maybe not. I told my therapist about it. She was just like, just kind of see how it goes. If you see this individual again and you still get excited, just kind of see how it goes. And if they ever invite you out, if you want to say yes, mm-hmm. she hit me up, da, 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 we hung out and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, this is something that I would want to pursue. Then I get nervous, right? Cause I'm just like, oh my God, what am I going to tell my friends? Am I going to have to like 
come out to my friends but what does that even mean because I don't even know what I am like what this I don't right so then it's confusing Mm -hmm. and I think for me it was I remember where I was with my best friend well yes let me start over my sister was the first person I told yeah we do (laughs) my sister is seven years younger than me after I had my first date with this girl, I was fucking like, oh my God, this was like one of my best first dates. Like I had such a great time. And I texted my sister at three in the morning <laughs> and I said, I have something so crazy to tell you that happened because this is the wrong time I was getting home. Like we, we went out, we had drinks, all this stuff. It was like a how, long, hold on. How long was this date? So long, which I've heard is a rumor that lesbian dates are like so long, <laughs> so long. And so then I have this amazing date. I get home. I'm like, tell my sister something yeah. crazy happened tonight. The next morning we're on FaceTime. She's like, tell me what happened. And I was like. I went on a date with a girl. And my sister was like, okay, well, that's really exciting. You know, because it wasn't like, what? You're this? You're... No, yeah. I was like, oh, that's... but I thought it was, if it's 3 a.m., like, I thought you were going to tell me you got in a fight in the club or something more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I thought it would be something like, girl, I got in a fight in the club. Like, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. Like, she's like, that's cool. Did you have fun? But it was like how she would have reacted with any other date I would have gone on. You know, like, yeah. well, was it a good time? Like, okay, cool. But you yeah. said this was going to be something like, whoa crazy exciting because in my mind it felt like so big like what yeah. did they got to think but my sister was like oh that's cool and I yeah. love that yeah um that night that I was going home too my cousin was like where are you going and I was like oh I'm going home I was out with a friend and my cousin right away was like is this friend a girl there are people in my life right that kind of just accepted and kind of knew my cousin told me I asked her I was like well why did you my cousin's my best friend and I was like well how did you kind of guess that and she was like I don't know I just figured you went to college and I kind of always thought you find yourself you know and whatever that means for yourself and who you are as an individual and I think that's where you're at it's like you're really finding yourself mm-hmm. and I was like wow so then when it was time to tell my best friend I literally just told her at the mall I was like hey we're doing this and my best friend was like but you've never dated girls and I said I know that's what's like so crazy like I yeah, have it. yeah you know and I could tell she was taken aback but she was so chill about it yeah and so then everybody started being so chill about it and everybody was so and that's why I say it's like the friend group that I have amazing individuals individuals who I can say are not ignorant you know because they're just like okay like okay you know yeah. maybe their parents would have taken a different if there if it was them individually you know but I think about who my parents are and so it wasn't until maybe months in that I was still going on dates with this girl that I my mom was like es que con quien sales and I was so nervous because I was like what am I gonna say like mm-hmm. what if it's nothing what if I continue to go on these dates and it's literally nothing and why am I gonna bring this idea to my mom's head right? And then it's going to be nothing. And so I remember finally, I was like, I was still very excited about it. And then she was like, es que donde lo conociste? Donde lo conociste? Dime donde lo conociste? Yeah. And I was like, es que no es donde lo conocí, es donde la conocí. And I remember her face was just like, oh, but we had a conversation about it, you know? And I think it did take my mom a longer time to come around than my dad, mm-hmm. but she's come around. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's like, that's it's only been three years. I never really was in college. Like I only dated guys in college. I've only dated guys my whole life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then, but I see this, I was on TikTok when I first got TikTok, when the first, like after being on it, right. in the algorithm, it was like the TikTok that was like, when it took me 27 years to realize that I was bi, but TikTok, it took 10 seconds. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but yeah, but I think about that, but also I think about how difficult it is sometimes too, because you know, at work when people are like, oh, tienes novio. And I just say no. And I decide who I can tell or can't yeah. tell, you know, if I'm dating a girl or not. Because I'm just like, it's not really something that I, you kind of think about like, who's somebody that I want to further this conversation with? Yeah. And who's somebody that I don't care to know? You got to pick and choose your battles because when I just, just on the fact 
of being part of the LGBT community, you have to decide. And most of us don't, gosh, like we just have to pick and choose our battles in the sense, mm-hmm. like, is this a conversation that I'm wanting to go with this person? Is it going to be safe yeah. for me? And to I have think this that's what I'm saying is that within our community, just even the, the Latinx community, Mexican community, Latino community, whatever, maybe you identify as, if you are also part of the queer community, LGBTQ plus community, it's like, we all, like I've, we've been saying, it's like the, the experiences could be so different. Mm-hmm. I know that my experience is probably less than what a lot of people's could be. I know that there could be individuals that maybe have not come out and don't feel comfortable coming out. Yeah. And I can understand that because like I said, I consider my grandpa sit here, all the things that he has to say. And I'm just like, oh, fuck no, I would never tell this man that I, you know, date a girl. No, mm-hmm. but just because, and it's not something I'm ashamed of, but it's just like, why go into that when it's not going to be a safe thing for me? And also when you think about educating people, hay gente que no se quiere educar. Yeah. Hay gente that honestly no se presta. Y si yeah. no se va a prestar, why the fuck stress ourselves out? Yeah. You know? So it's just like, either you can accept it for what it is. I choose that when there's moments like that, you know how back in the day it was like, call out your family members if they're being homophobic, if they're being destitute. You also have to realize, like, some people, it's like, sometimes I have no energy. When my grandpa's saying this stuff and he's like, nah, nah, nah. Yes, iglesia con rositas, I really want to be like, and what? You know, but I'm just listening because I'm just like, if I start this, I'm never going to stop with this man. And I'm going to have to finish. Y la que va a quedar mal voy a ser yo por ser razongona, por ser contestona, por ser this. And I would rather not, even though this is literally my life, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think sometimes it's, it's understanding and us as individuals too, knowing that that's kind of what we have to navigate too, but also that it's, your experience as Monica, my experience as Christina are very separate experiences. Yeah. They're very personal experiences and that's okay too. And I think what people have to see is like, when I was seeing Latino people like that, I was like fangirling over like, you know, people in our community, people in LA, like there's so many writers, authors, I'd be like, oh my God, I love them. Yeah. And one of my favorites was like, we can all be problematic in some ways. And we have to accept that yeah. because we're also learning and growing, right? Your faith is probably problematic in some ways of thinking or some ways of doing, but they're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is like, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to know everything and do everything the right way mm-hmm. when we have to still kind of give ourselves the the courtesy of like, we're still figuring it out, you know? We are still figuring it out mm-hmm. and there's like nothing wrong with saying that, admitting it and just being like, hey, I'm a person that's growing literally and i can admit that you yeah. know and i think that's what people i would hope that yeah. as we grow up people other people are able to admit that too because that's just the reality of what things are it's like we're literally just we're all fucking trying to survive out here yeah and <laughs> we are oh my god like we're awesome. yeah we really are um okay i really want to touch base on on school with okay. you so you're a first generation latina yes um and you went on to college to college okay people view education as like a certain career path to take if you want to consider yourself educated, right? So it's like, oh, the four-year degree, when in, which in reality, it's not even the case. People can get certifications on things that are less than four-year degree on anything. And that's the fucking education. Yeah, and yeah. that's the fucking education. Huh. Or you can just be educated just up other ways. Like, why do we... But it's such a cultural thing, too, that we put so much pressure on the education aspect, right? Families. That's something we're definitely going to touch face on. Yeah, um, families, because I think for me, it was never a question if I was going to go to college. It was always like you grew up being. It's like, like you're going go to college, to school, get a college, get a you're good gonna job. go to college. You vas a trabajar, you vas a ganar dinero, you vas a sacar esto porque you know what? And we're gonna. I was undocumented, yeah. and I'll even be. I'll be a fucking transparent. My parents entran los dos working fucking so many hours of their life. They fucking my poor parents están ya like they paid for my school. 
right? Yeah. I got some scholarships, but there was no WAFSA back in the day. That's the Washington federal aid. Mm -hmm. There was none of that back when I was applying. I graduated college in 2011. So then at that point, Wait, I, you graduated college. I mean, high school, high school. Oh, I was like, girl, no, sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I girls fine with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, bitch, please. Yeah, it's like, please. No, <laughs> um, I graduated high school in 2011. And so my, with, help of scholarships I got scholarships but also towards the end it was my parents which was also paid it and then I graduated college in 2015 when I was in college I was going to be a psych major and I switched my major the second year mm -hmm. and my dad and I stopped talking for a couple months this no. man will accept my sexual identities but education you don't fuck around with education that just tells you something that that just tells you that statement right there just tells you yeah. the value that education is seen in the Latin American community oh, yeah. and like the so, standard like, <laughs> that parents kind of do I, like I switch my major I don't know what I want to major in but I'm like I don't want to be a psych major anymore yeah. I love psychology but the classes I was like I don't even know about this right now right yeah I was struggling and I told him and then my dad was getting input from co-work no es que dijo este señor que si ya cambiaste van a ser otros dos años tres años cuatro años no vas a terminar en cuatro años mm -hmm. da, 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 y que vamos a hacer y es más dinero y tienes que pensar y you know, si lo estás cambiando, cambia, ¿qué es lo que quieres hacer? Ya decide. And it's mm -hmm. difficult because it's like, fool, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm 18, you're making, that's the thing with college too, is like, I'm 18, you're making me decide what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't fucking know. I could not tell you. Right? So it wasn't until my junior year that I decided to change my major to women's studies. Mm -hmm. Got a minor in CES. I graduated in four years. I stayed just six weeks in the summer because I don't get federal aid. It, the summer pay was just obviously paid out of pocket. So I was able to graduate without taking a whole other semester, but it was difficult. It was difficult in the sense, like even after I graduated college and I'll share this story, my college graduation, my dad was upset with me because he had talked to me about pursuing a master's and I had said no. And he was like, we'll pay for the master's too. And I said, no, because I can't, I did four years of school. I tell my sister, my sister right now is going to pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. That bitch is smart. Ooh. She fucking likes school. I don't know if she likes it, but she can fucking study and she does the work and right. I was going to school writing essays, doing all this stuff. I loved it. I loved learning about all these current event topics, but I was like more school. There's no way, right? My sister's currently in a graduate program. She said six years, I'll do it. Me at the thought of doing another two after four. No. And so my whole, I graduate. I'm the very first person, both extended families to ever get a college degree. My parent, my grandparents get their visa that year come to see me. This is when my grandmother is still alive. Come to see my graduation. I'm like, wow, this is like a big deal. Yeah. And the whole weekend we did not speak because he was upset that I was supposed to get a master's because mass, my dad's, my dad was telling you now, own bachelor's is como un high school diploma. Honestly, at this point, kind of, like, that's, <laughs> so, exactly. yeah, that's kind of how and it so is. And so it's nowadays. frustrating because it's like, fool, I did all this work four years, do all this, prove to you, I got the fucking degree. I'm going to hopefully get a job. Da -da 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 -da. And you want the master's, I'm not going to do it. It's so much money. I've seen how my mom and you have fucking worked your asses off. I'm sure you're tired. I'm tired. Like, let's just not. And it was a big conversation to have. And it was, it took him a long time, honestly. Uh, other aspects of my life, I think the biggest, quotes fights or arguments we've gone into have been because of education. Wow. Because my sister right now with pharmacy school was like. You're, you're the oldest? Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm 28. My sister's 22. I turned 29 in a couple months. And so with her, when she told them, I want to do pharmacy school and she was in college and she was getting the grades. Like my sister in undergrad was getting the 4.0 GPA. So fucking chemistry and shit. Bio -chem. And I was like, how? I was like, girl, I was taking fucking math 105 and I was struggling. How are you literally like just advancing? But for my sister, 
she's always set the expectations of herself that now she works on is to be a perfectionist because of our parents. And now that's something that she has to deal a lot with in therapy because yeah. setting standards so high when <laughs> you finally deal with failure, if you've never known failure, that shit hits you hard. And so, yeah, with, with her to get into pharmacy school, she had a three-hour interview and there was no question that she was going to get it. Like my family knew. She had the interview. She interviewed for three hours. My dad said, what the boy? She said, da 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 And they were, when she got accepted, they said, yeah, right? It was not like, oh, wow, big deal, pharmacy school, da 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 for me. It was like, for my parents, it was like, as you should. You should have gone accepted. If you think you're smart enough and you think da 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 and you think you're capable, then you should. Yeah. There's just, and that's what I think is tricky for both of us. And we, we navigate that with them, especially a lot of like, well, that's what you should be doing. Si eres inteligente, si te aplicaste, no tienes que estar asustada, no tienes que tener nervios. And there'll be times now that they want to visit her and she's like, I can't have exams. And they're like, pero si ya estudiaste, ya sabes. You know, right? Study. If you study it, then you should know. And she's like, they don't understand. Like, I'm studying so much. I'm doing all this. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Right. You know, I really want to um, touch base with something going there. It, it took me a lot, a while to kind of accept that our parents, our uncles, they have a mindset that may or may not ever change. And I was having a conversation. Um, I, my dad was coming to visit and we went to my aunt's place and my cousin who was 20 years old was there um, and we ended up talking, whatever. And then the conversation trailed into um, me saying, how they, they, they talked about how they would fight a lot and they would fight a lot. And me and my dad would fight a lot. My parents and I would fight a lot all the time. And it wasn't until I moved out or like we didn't live together that the relationship got better. But um, when we were talking about that, they were like bickering about things and that like, and then I go and kind of say, I was like, you guys may never fully understand each other because you grew up in Mexico. You grew up here. Those are different experiences that you may never be able to understand. And it's also different expectations. Expectations as well. And I, I told my aunt, I was like, you may never understand him. And that's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Basically trying to say is that our parents tend to have a certain mindset. Mm-hmm. And again, that kind of goes into being living in America and being Latin American. It's like we have some of those ideals and, and you know um, values from our parents. But at the same time, they also get morphed into something else because of where we are in our situation and living here. Like we will never understand what they went through. Yeah. Like my parents, the thing is they told me like the poverty that they experienced, like my mom, she told me like um, this one time she fought like, cause she's the oldest. She fought her, her, her younger brother over like uh, some citrus mm-hmm. fruit or something like that. And my uncle, he um, would one time said that his first birthday cake, wasn't until he was 16 and that was because my mom was already um, married and and able to afford said birthday cake and so I will never know what that it's like to live how they did my parents did not make it past they did not get to high school middle school Mm -hmm. is the furthest they went because especially with my parents being like um, the oldest or one of the oldest that's just your response. That yeah, is your job. To take care of other ones and hope they get work and pay off to what your parents. And then pay. you, as the eldest, that is your job, quote unquote, yeah. is to pursue school. Yeah, and I think that's what's difficult. Is like, how do I still honor all of their dreams while also making space for mine? You know, because I, I don't get me wrong. I'll never fault my parents because those were their expectations of me. I can understand. Yeah, and I talked to my therapist about this, and she's like, "That's a." She's like, that's a positive approach for you to do that. And it's big of you to still kind of give that empathy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can understand, like, I'll never fault them for expecting that of me. 
because I can just imagine they were 22, 24 when they came here. I'm 28. And I cannot imagine the responsibility and the burden of like, I'm fucking going to do this. I hope that my work does it. I'm going to raise these kids here. And by all means, the way that this country is like, they need an education to be able to survive and to be able to be successful. Yeah. I know that at the core of it, all they want for my sister and I is success and happiness. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. But I think what's difficult now is that how do I continue to honor that, to be this person who's successful, but also reimagining what success really means for me so that they're able to understand that too. Because my sister will be probably the, the student who goes to school and does this and maybe, you know, the fucking first millionaire, like, in our family, whatever the case may be, first person to get money, right? Because we're all still fucking living here, like trying to hustle, trying to make it. And I think with her, it's like she just has her identity so down of like, this is what I want. She one time told them, if I don't do well in school, I don't like, I'll just drop out. I don't care. It's my loans. My dad was furious, but that's true. That's the reality. I didn't have that. I knew that they were paying for school. I knew that they were investing in me and my future, right? So I had all this, like, well, what, how do I disappoint them? But it wasn't until later that you have these conversations that you realize, like, we're all kind of growing up, right? I can understand like you're 22, 23, 24 and coming here and you you knew this while their life, but also you've been here now for 25 years. So I hope you can also understand that maybe there's another aspect to it. Yeah. I had seen this on Instagram and it's like from a page called daughter of an immigrant or something. And it said like, maybe our parents' American dream was to come into it up when it should have been just to like get mental health and rest. Like maybe the difference now in my mom's American dream should just be that. And sometimes I have conversations like that with my mom, like, Hey, if you're not happy at your job, it's okay to leave. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a wild concept for her to hear, mm-hmm. but she needs to hear it. And she hears it from us because it's something that we can vouch for. And we can say, Hey, you know, we, we grew up here. Like it's okay if you're not happy somewhere and it's okay to say no. And it's okay to quit. Yeah. And with my dad too, when we had the conversation with him about mental health and everything, I think it's difficult because it's like, si tienes educación, si tienes, you have all the skills to be successful. You have everything in the world to be happy. Right. How do you explain to your parents, well, like, I'm still unhappy. Like, my life still feels like it fucking sucks. But they just try. Vas a citas, hablas con una señora. Like, I'll be telling them about therapy. And they're like, pero tienes it. Pero, and like, that it's just like, but dude, this is what I have to do. You know, like, I do have to go regularly to yeah. talk to somebody and have these conversations and process so much shit. Yeah. And also, I am taking medicine daily. And they're just okay with it now. Let's, look, I want to go into it because I really want to delve into that. That was one of the biggest topics that I really want to discuss mm-hmm. in this. Um, if you want to kind of yeah. discuss your story of like, I think of, of mental health issues, you're just, I'll just start. That. I think with me, it was, if I think about it, I went to church for 18 years of my life and I was always so depressed and I would always have these like breakdowns mm-hmm. in church. And I always thought it was like God speaking to me or something, right? Because I was Christian. in church. Huh? Breakdowns in church. Uh-huh. Okay. And I always thought it was like God speaking to me or something, right? But I was just unhappy. Uh-huh. Like I was crying because I was unhappy, but I never understood what I would, why I was unhappy. Yeah. And so a couple of years ago, because of work, I was so burnt out. I started going to therapy. And the way I tell my friends is I was living at a point where every single day I was miserable mm-hmm. that after the first time a couple of months, I went to therapy and I was going weekly, a weekly. Yeah. I was thinking to myself when I had a first good day, I thought to myself, how? And the good day turned into good days, good weeks, good months. But then last year, I'm still having panic attacks at work. I'm still constantly depressed. I'm waking up not wanting to do anything, right? And so what happened was that I had very functional depression. But it's, like, difficult because how do I explain to my friends, yeah, I'm hanging out with you guys, I'm doing all these things, you know, my partner, whoever, but also, like, I'm just unhappy. But I have everything. I have an education. I have living parents. I have this. But I'm still unhappy. 
And so my sister, it was actually because of my sister, my sister who's younger than me, texts me, hey, I went in to get this medical procedure, but then they started asking me all these other questions. Turns out I have a counseling appointment and also they gave me antidepressants. LOL, yeah, see, talk to you later after class. Like, como si nada. And I was like, what? And she's like, tell me this stuff. My therapist, my re- the one that I've had for over three years now, she had brought it up once. She said, have you ever considered? She's like, I'm not someone, obviously, who can give it. She's like, but maybe it's something to talk to your provider about. And it was scary. I had conversations with, you know, the closest people in my life about it. And I said, I don't know. Like, there's just so much stigma around medicine, drugs, all this stuff. And it makes me nervous. Because that's what you hear, right? People who start taking like Xanax or something and they, they just get hooked and then they need other stuff and then they can never be off of it. And then what's going to happen? And I was like to myself, I was like, no, I don't want to rely on something. But then when I talked to my therapist about it, my sister's turn started to tell me like, oh, I'm just taking these are like SSRIs for like the serotonin levels and stuff. I go and I finally talked to my provider. She said, let's try it out and we'll see. And so it was March of last year, actually. It's really going to be a year. But what was crazy was that stuff that felt so unmanageable before felt so manageable and what I tell my friends is the reason why I really did pursue the antidepressants and really stuck with them like at this point it's been almost 360 days of my life that I've literally been taking them is because there was a point in my life that I thought to myself like I actually want to live and for so long for 20 what was I 27 when I started for 27 years of my life I thought to myself I was a person who was like, I don't care if I get hit by a car today and something happens. Honestly, I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't care if this happens. And I would joke about it. I don't care. Yeah. But I genuinely did not care. Yeah. And I think to myself, how? Like, my sister is this person, stressed at school, doing these things. This bitch is trying to fucking live. And I thought to myself, why not live for her, live for my parents, live for, for whatever, you know? And so that's what it was. The only reason I really started them was because I really was like, I do want to live this life, I think. And before I didn't have that thought, which is crazy. I mean, whatever the word crazy. I know even some people don't like the word crazy, but for me, it's like, it was wild to think that. Then yeah. for 27 years, I was like, I don't care. Something happens, I don't care. I don't really feel like it'll make a difference. And I remember having a conversation with my best friends in the car and telling her that like, you know, sometimes I just want to run away and I want to run away from this life, but I don't know where to go. But I just want to run and drive. And I would say that to my partner at the time. And I would say that to my best friend. When I told my best friend that she was crying, And she was like one of my best friends and she was like, but I don't want you to go. And I said, I don't know, dude, like, I just don't. And that's what I thought about. I was like, there's people in this world that genuinely care about me. The fact that I have no care about myself is crazy. And I think that's why I started. I started taking antidepressants. And once you start taking those, for me, the SSRIs have worked wonders. I don't, there was stuff that would make me so anxious. I would wake up at five, four in the morning with anxiety and think about all the stuff I had to do. And then I would get depressed and then I would get sad. And then I would just be around everybody just not wanting to talk, not wanting to be, I would get uncomfortable in big spaces. I was just like, what am I doing? And now I wake up and I feel like, con más ganas. Yeah. I guess if that's how I can describe it, like I've picked up cooking more, baking. I see my friends, you know, that I want to reconnect with. I read more for myself. I like have more fun experiences and I'm more open to conversations. But I can tell even in how I react to things that I just don't feel like things are such a big deal anymore. And I feel like that's okay. And I feel like that's what I always needed. And I wish I would have pursued it when I was younger, but I think it was a stigma of like, pero para qué? Y pastillas para qué? La gente, no estás loca, sal a caminar. Mm-hmm. My dad would be like, sal a la calle. Es mm-hmm. que tienes que ir caminar un rato. Es que no haces, no haces, no haces ejercicio. Si hicieras ejercicio, anduvieras mejor. Is you know, your parents' mindset, is it still relatively the same? No. So for my dad, <laughs> I do this thing where I keep all my... Like, I keep my antidepressant and, like, four vitamins in little containers on Monday through Friday because yeah. I 
so I could forget, right? I, yeah, I oh, forget, yeah. right? And I remember one time I pulled them out and I was like taking them right now. I was like, could you see that? Those are pastillas that you have to take. I was like, Dad, una, or las demás son vitaminas. And he was like, Oh, okay, you know. But I think for him, I was like, Oh shit, like that many is what she's taking. But I was like, No, no, no. So I'm like, and he's like, oh, Okay, my mom. So what happens is that when you have anxiety or depression, a lot of this stuff is also maybe passed down genetically or also yeah. through generations, right? Our parents <laughs> might not want to admit it. Yeah. I'll share this story about my mom. I love her so much. Years ago, she would leave work and her sister would have to drive her to the ER because my mom would feel like she was going to have heart attacks. Oh, no. Right? Panic attacks. Panic attacks. Y uno no sabe. And I would say, Mom, es que para que fuese doctor? She's like, dicen que estoy estresada. Que ando estresada. And we just left it at that, right? Oh, she's stressed. Mm -hmm. But then I had my first panic attack, like real, real, real in college. I remember I told her, I was like, and she's 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 like, like, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean? Yes. She's like, yeah, si vas a me en el trabajo. I didn't know that this lady, my mother, had anxiety, right? And so now that my sister and I are on medication, we're so vocal with her about yeah. it. And I've told my mom before about the wanting to run away, about that not wanting to be. And I know it kind of, obviously as a parent, I can imagine that it hurts to hear, right? Like, yeah, yeah even my yeah. daughter is like sad. Yeah. But then what happens is that now that we're at, we're older, my sister and I is like, we've built a relationship with our mom that's not just, oh, she's our mom. She's like our caregiver, whatever. It's like, oh, she's our friend. And so my mom will have conversations with us now about like, oh, this is the medication that I'm on. And we never knew. Your was, mom will say that. Yeah. Oh. I was in college and my friend who has anxiety, another, I have so many like amazing friends, took out these pills and my mom said, oh, yo también tomo de esas. And I said, what? All right. Because I knew my friend took them and I had seen my friend during her panic attack moments and I knew how they helped my friend. And I thought to myself, how's my mom been taking this? And I just had no clue. Mm -hmm. And now we'll sit there and she'll tell us about the medication. My sister, who's a pharmacist, will look up what kind of medication. We'll tell her, make sure you're taking it on time, da, 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 doing this. But it's such a more positive conversation. Yeah. And now when she's talking, the thing that I've noticed with my mom is when she's talking to other señoras, because what happened with COVID was that I think everybody being by themselves, a lot of señoras maybe were repressing their depression and their anxieties. That shit really came up. So now when I hear her talking to me, the or other señoras, and they're like, no, es que esta señora tal cual, whatever, dice que, no, que tuve al doctor porque se siente desesperada, da, da, da. and they're like, no, pues es que, ¿qué será? O, ¿cómo se siente? My mom's like, se siente feo. You know, my mom will say, like, se siente feo. Mm -hmm. It actually does feel bad. It does feel like you're dying. It does feel like these things. And so for me, it's like, wow, look at this lady who before was like, not, oh, I'm stressed from work, you know? And now she's like, just comfortable to be open with like, oh, no, it does feel bad. Yeah. And no, actually, I do take that. And I think because my sister and I are so open about it, like I said, I'll share whatever. Because we share whatever and we'll talk to my aunts, we'll be like, oh, yeah, we're on antidepressants. Ha, 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 ha. Like, no big deal. They start kind of seeing like, okay, if somebody closely related to us is taking them, and at least, well, my mom is more open to talking about it, then maybe it's not as big of a deal. Maybe it's not something that we should shame upon. Maybe it is something. One of my aunts will say, I don't know how I can help my friend who tells me she has panic attacks, but I just like to listen to her. She's like, if she's not willing to go to the doctor, if she doesn't believe it's anything, she's like, yo sé que no hay nada que pueda hacer a veces, pero si me habla por teléfono y está estresada, pues yo la puedo escuchar porque okay. Es algo que necesita. Mm -hmm. And I can respect that. And I think to myself, the way that they help each other and everything is like, we believe sometimes, like, this is the thing. We have to give our parents more credit. We do. Because sometimes we believe like, 
we don't know if they'll understand. We don't know this. We don't know that. And maybe it's because with us, it's like we're so closely related to it that it's like, oh, fuck my own daughters. And I want my daughters to live and I want my daughters to be happy. But also when you just have these conversations with adults and like, I love Senora talk and I can sit and talk to Senoras <laughs> and like pretend to be one of them and have these conversations. You have to give these women, these men more credit. Like I really do think to my mom and my aunts and I've had like a five hour dinner conversation with my aunt and we'll just talk about what she goes through in life and she'll be like, hoy estaba harta, estaba harta porque querían esto de mí. Yo no quería hacer de comer, yo no quería hacer eso. And I say, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. and set your boundaries yeah and set your limits right because they've never heard from anybody rest yeah especially latinas yeah i'm like that is good you tell them now you say you're not gonna cook you say you're not gonna do this right and they're just like oh that's an option that is something we can do yeah and i think the more we talk about it and the more we're open about it and that's why i think in this sense with this podcast and just the end of the type of person that i am i think I'm willing because I know I honestly have nothing to lose to share these things. I really don't. I was at a point that I didn't want to live fucking what, two years ago? Now if I tell people my antidepressants get it, once I'm a single. You know? Bitch, I was trying to like not live. And now yeah. I think that this is gonna make me no, now I'm happy. So yeah, I'll tell you and I don't care. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe somebody will hear me talking about it and be like, oh shit, Christina kind of has this and I'm kind of feeling this way. Maybe I can reach out to her, which I'm okay with. Yeah. Because I know that there's people fucking struggling. And I think to myself, I really didn't have anybody like that that I could be like, hey, you know, I've been feeling depressed. Is that normal? Right? Going off of that, um, so it's only been a couple of years since you've been, you know, actively managing your, your mental mm-hmm. health. So Norms, when I interviewed her, she said that she didn't even know what depression was until pretty much around school time. So like for you. I thought everybody <laughs> was unhappy all the time. Like me. I really thought, I really, which is so crazy that I think to myself, there's people who don't have panic attacks. There's people who wake up every day and they just want to do life. There's people who don't want to die. Yeah. Like, I did not know that. Because what you're living feels so, like, real that you think to yourself, everybody has to be experiencing this because there's no way, right? I would wake up when I first started talking to my partner years ago. I and COVID happened and everything was first happening. I was constantly stressed. And this is before the antidepressants. And I remember I told her, I said, in my daily life, I feel like I'm constantly at an 80% stress level daily, daily for no reason. And she was like, what the fuck? She's like, I feel like my stress level is at 10. And I said, 10? Like, what I are you fucking with? Yeah, I was like, what are you doing at 10? She's like, how? You know? Yeah. But she's like, well, what do you guys stress about? I'm just she's like no but this is stuff here that you know like she's such a problem solver yeah and I was like well the thing is I know how the problems can be solved I just don't want to and that's where it happens that's where the depression comes in I know that I can get up and do laundry and I can shower and I can do my makeup and I can go to the store I know I can be productive I know how to be productive yeah do I want to no yeah do I feel the energy to no I know that seeing my friends, seeing my niece and nephew, seeing my cousin, seeing my sister makes me happy. I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that being around them, I feel great. Was I going out of my way to try to do those things? No. Yeah. I listened to um, a podcast with Dak Shepard and he said, I have a list of things I have to do. And I do everything on the list before I allow myself to have a like mental breakdown. And if I've done everything, then I allow myself. And I had a list. I had a list like mm-hmm. see your niece and nephew, hang out with your friends read books, read this. What happens is that when you're really depressed, everything on your list is like, oh, fuck that. Right. 
Yeah. So he had mentioned this list and I was like, that's a great idea. I'm going to have that. And so I had this list, read more books, go out tea by myself, see my friends, see my niece and nephew, see my cousins. I even had on the list, they make you smile. Make sure you reach out to them. When you're fucking depressed, that list goes out the window. That list is there, but I wasn't doing anything for that list. Yeah. A little bit ago, you did say hyper, just say functional depression mm-hmm. or whatever. So I don't know if you're aware, like that's for, that's kind of slowly being phased out, like the word is being mm-hmm. phased out. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so the reason being, and um, Norms, she going into it, she's a mental health okay. professional. And so we kind of touched touch base about this. So, um, but basically, high functioning is pretty much rewarding those that do that a are lot able more, to. that yeah. are able to, yeah. because, you know, despite the stress, anxiety, and much more effort they have to yeah. do. And so, in a sense, it's very um, uh, invalidating. Okay. Because just because you can do this does not mean that you need any less help than anyone else doesn't mean that you um are any less um dealing with your mental health which you know is facts and i like to hear that and i'm glad you bring that up because that's true yeah but see what i mean that that stuff that is like that i can self-acknowledge and kind of reflect with myself why did i need the why did i feel the need to still say that i was functional what what importance this is just a question to ask myself no no i'm, I'm what, trying to think about myself too <laughs> do i give myself by saying oh no but i was so depressed but guess what i was still working and doing this stuff and getting through life why why do we base so much and this is just where as a society we base so much of our importance of who we are of our validation on productivity and the stuff that we can contribute back to the world yeah. and what we can y- yes it really and has so, to do with productivity and, yeah, and so then i like that because then it's a way to check myself too yeah. Why did I feel the need to really validate who I was at the time with the productivity I can give? Yeah. When right now in reality, like I said, with antidepressants and everything and the, the therapy, it's like so consistent. For me, it's just an approach of like, I just want to find the skills constantly to be happy. Yeah. I put my mental health, I'm at a place that I put it over everything. So yeah. people, for their happiness, it's going out, getting drinks, seeing friends or like, watching this or doing that or traveling for me, my happiness is like, I need to have my weekly meetings with my therapist. Yeah. I will always prioritize that financially over anything else. It really makes a huge difference when I don't, when I go more than like two, three weeks without seeing my therapist. She went on maternity leave and I was like, Oh God, (laughs) do you have another one during that time? (laughs) No, no. How long were you without her? Like two and a half months. And I was like, that's torture. Yeah. But then she messaged me and I was like, oh, but I literally was like, that's okay. How exciting. I didn't even know she was pregnant until she was going to get birth, yeah, which yeah. I love because I don't like to know. Obviously, like the way I love my therapist was like, I don't need to know her personal life. Yeah. And we're just okay with, I'm, I know that this is a financial situation where I'm literally paying you and I'm okay with that. I don't even, but then when she was pregnant, I was like, that's so exciting. Oh my goodness. Should I send a gift? Should I do this? And then, and then I hit me, wait. It's a special relationship. Yeah, but then I'm like, who am I talking to? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have anybody. I knew that there's people that they'll, they'll, they can um, refer you to somebody for those yeah. three months. But in my mind, I was like, I just don't want to. Yeah, I And that. so I just didn't. And then when she messaged me again, she's like, hey, you know, just messaging all my previous clients. You know, if they want to go. I was like, um, yes, I want to get back started up with you. Yeah, she was yeah. like, do people want to come back? And I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but that is, right? The regular yeah. stuff, it makes a difference. Um, I want to touch base a little bit. Um, so your experience and my experience are a little bit different in terms of mental health. Mm. I started having my first 
mental my first thought that i ever had that is related to like mental illness it was at 12 years old Uh and i did not realize until for a while but it's crazy to think it was a little bit silly but it was my first thought was actually a self-harm thought and Mm -hmm. it was it's a little bit silly because i was like i was like this um kitchen like spoon ladle or something like that and i thought what happens if i just grab it and i stab myself with it like that was the first thought and i never really acknowledged and realized the significance of that until I was a little bit older but i have been dealing and managing mental health since i was like 14 15 years old okay and to, not sorry to cut you off but okay. that monica yeah that is when you realize and that's when i think back right i was 14 thinking to myself like i'm okay with dying suicidal ideation is Ooh. not a but i would think i would think i'm sure all individuals my age who are 12 are also thinking about stabbing themselves with this pen. Yeah. That's how I would have viewed things. Yeah. Right? Because in my mind, it would have been like, I think everybody else wants to die. I think everybody else sees this and wants to just stab themselves. Isn't that what everybody else wants to do in their brain? No. <laughs> no. It, it was, that was another thing is like, we, my family um, has been more open, is more open mm-hmm. about mental health than, than what you've already said. Like, not everyone's a little bit different, but I feel very fortunate in how my family is because my mom also manages um, depression. And so we had a lot of like, I've had a lot of trial and error with medications. Um, They're like, hey, if your parent is on this one, it works for them, most likely it's gonna work for you. Yeah, me and my mom's brain chemistries are a little bit different like that. But um, I started having, like, they started becoming more prominent and like issues when I was 14, 15 years old. I was aware of it. And I remember thinking, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I want to fix it. But I also remember thinking, I didn't want to tell my father mm-hmm. because I felt like I was going to be a disappointment to him by saying, hey, I have depression. Yeah. And it's wild to me now to think that I felt that. Yeah. And I genuinely believe that. Like when I first brought it up um, that I was like, I need help. It was actually to my aunt who is a, um, she's for generation, but she's a lot, she is I don't know her age, but she's older and she's been, she's telling, she's dealt with those things. And so I, I was 16 years old. It's actually a really funny story because um, I was basically over at their house and I was outside because I just, something like had happened and I was outside, I was crying. And so she comes out and she's like talking with me a lot, a lot of this and that. And I don't know what I said, but she was like, Moni, are you about to tell me that you're pregnant? And I started busting out laughing and I'm like, <laughs> like I was crying, but I was like laughing. I was like, no the fuck no <laughs> um and so I told her I was like no like I'm I'm feeling like this and I wanted to tell her because I was like I know that you have dealt with this are dealing with this is like I want help but I don't know how to go about it yeah and so she was the one I had a conversation with my dad and then my dad took me to see a therapist or not a therapist a psychiatrist and um I remember one of the questions that they asked me was like oh is it you know were you in a relationship did you guys break up and I was like the fuck no why would I be sad over a relationship I didn't get it at that point mm-hmm. until it was later older but um I started my trial and error with medications at 16 years oh, old wow. at 16 years old and I didn't have an opinion on medication at that point for me I was like you're my doctor you're telling me this I was like okay and I have been on like I I think five medications and I actually had an appointment with my psychiatrist today because I'm okay. um, being on on Adderall it's a generic Adderall actually um, I actually had a conversation with my psychiatrist today and we're, I've never been on this many, th- this many medications before. So there's one, 
antidepressants, the Abilify, the generic Adderall, and then I literally added one today. Wow. They added one today because um, of some like side effects that I'm having. And so actually, I, I recently had to go to the doctors because you see my hands mm-hmm. shaking right now. This is a result of my Adderall medication. Damn. So my, I went to the doctor and I was like, hey, this is new. I think it's the Adderall, but can we rule this out? It's not any medical. So my um, primary care um, physician, we did it. Everything came back normal. So it's like, realistically, this is my Adderall. And so my doctor was like, hey, if, yeah, if you do go off your medications, the tremor should stop. But not only did it give me tremors, but it um, increased my heart rate. My resting heart rate was around 65 to 70. My resting heart rate is closer to like 85, 90 right now. And then my blood pressure used to be borderline um, on the low end, like almost hypotensive, but now it's normal mm-hmm. and stuff. So that that's the side effects. And for me, um, I don't uh, I don't know if you know what a vet sec is. Basically, mm-hmm. it's an uh, it's a nurse version for animals. Oh yeah, and okay. so I work a lot with my hands. I have to be steady oh, with my hands a lot. And the trembling is difficult because um, sometimes when I have a lot of cat, that's that's one of the things with ADHD. I realize caffeine does do shit to me. Yeah, it makes sense why I never craved it or needed it. it doesn't do shit to me. I need I literally need meth, some <laughs> sort of meth yeah, derivative, yeah, in order to function. The trembling, the trembling, yes, thank you so much. That really helps when someone else can actually get me back on track. Um, sometimes when I get a lot of like caffeine in my system, my hands will get shaky, but that was like I did that to myself. I'm like, mm, I'm risking it here, but with this medication, it's it's hard because it's kind of embarrassing, it makes me feel like I'm nervous. I'm like, I'm not nervous, it's just my hands are just shaking yeah. because it's just a physiological response at this point. It, it, this, this has only been happening for like two months, so it's difficult to have that side effect where. I can't keep it steady and sometimes I'm like I don't know if this is a critical situation that's going on maybe I shouldn't be the one doing this like putting in this catheter because I my hands are too shaky and let a lot of this and why so I don't know where I was going with that but that's that 10 years I have been in therapy wow since I was 16 years old it's 11 years now I have taken few breaks here and there in between the person that I was then compared to who I am now if I did not have mental health access, I'd be fucked. Because I was really, mm-hmm. really bad. And in, in, um, not only because it's not just anxiety. At first, it was just the depression I was dealing with, major depressive disorder. And then the anxiety developed. Um, and then I always felt like there was something else going on for a while. I thought I had bipolar because I was like, the way that I'm feeling, this is not just depression. This is too severe for it to yeah. be just depression. I like labels because it makes me... It gives me a break. Like when I found out I had ADHD, the amount of stress and anxiety that reduced, significant. Yeah. Significant. I'm not as hard on myself anymore. And I give myself a lot more breaks. The medications, I feel like I'm going on tangents now, but like the medication, I can't live and function in this society without my Adderall. I, that's how I feel about meditation. Like, no, no, no. My like, sister and I joke, we're just like, how yeah. do people literally live their lives without these so mm, I'm very depressed, but managed. Yeah. Like I know that the antidepressants helped me because a couple months ago I was I, I'm recovering from burnout. Like mm-hmm. work burnt me the fuck yeah. out, and so I'm I'm recovering from that right now. And the depressants, the antidepressants helped me really significantly. Helped me because I was on medications, and my doctor when she's checking up with me, I was like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And she's like, How do you feel about that? I was like, I don't care. That's just just my. I'm just going yeah. day by day I do not care kind of thing but that really brought me out um fuck where was I going with this damn it 
Well, I can take it to, <laughs> I think when I, when we think about once again, who we are as individuals in our personal experiences, yeah. right? Somebody like me who maybe felt like I was doing with it my whole life, but didn't get maybe I've done therapy now for four years, but I haven't been on medication until a year ago. Whereas for you, it's been like a decade. I've heard stories of girls who are 15 and have tried to commit suicide. And right, and nobody really talks about it. But you know how you kind of always know, like when you're around like amigos, amigos, o parientes, lo que sea, and then it's like, you can kind of see when there's like a little sad girl or like, you know, and that always, for me, I feel like I'm the kind of person, like I feel so hard, like I feel so much. And I see these girls and I see these girls for that age and I see myself so much in them. Mm -hmm. And I hear these stories that maybe, you know, Señoras are telling their friends, are telling their friends, are telling their friends, and somehow it somehow gets back to me or telephone fucking game, right? But you know these stories of other individuals and their stuff, and I'm just like, there are people who, like you, you know, 10 years, people like me who haven't, but it's like, we get back to, we were both pretty young when this was happening. Yeah. And I think what's something like this and the attention that I could get and just whatever is like, I really feel for those, like, individuals. I feel for those young girls. I feel for these young kids who are just like sad but don't know, who are probably dealing with immigrant parents, first-gen parents, parents who maybe still don't have the vocabulary or maybe the understanding table to communicate it. Yeah. And maybe they don't have the older siblings or maybe they don't have the older cousins or maybe they don't have someone like your aunt. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, well, then who? Yeah. And I literally think to myself sometimes, those are the thoughts that keep me up at night. Who is going to rescue all these young kids, all these young girls? Who is going to tell them, like, hey, I see you, like, I was you? Yeah. And I think with opportunity, opportunities like this, and why I'm okay with putting myself out there, and it's what I've said, is if anything, it's like, hey, if you're 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever age, and you're listening, I've been there. Yeah. And it fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I see you. And I wish I could hug everybody and be like, hopefully it gets better I can't tell you because the whole like it gets better thing even for like LGBTQ plus or even for mental health it's like we don't know because for some people it doesn't you know for some people there is no better but I I don't know I would want to be the person who's like if anything I hope I can be a hand in helping you guide your path towards a journey where you look towards better I want to go off of that a little bit so um I'm the middle child of the family mm -hmm. my sister's older um I am the token queer mentally ill child <laughs> so my my sister has her own fair share of experiences and things that I have never had to deal with. Like um, she had a kid at nineteen. Mm -hmm. That's something that I don't understand. I will not understand what mm -hmm. it's like to have gone through that at nineteen years old. Um, definitely a great form of birth control preventative. Yes. <laughs> but um, my sister one time came up to me. I was in eighth grade, I think it was, and she goes up to me and and, and I'm like I'm crying or something, and she goes, and it meant the world to me. This is when I found the impact of, of support. Mm -hmm. it's, she's like, I may not know what you're going through, but I'll try to understand. Yeah. And that to me, as like a 13-year-old kid, I think I was 13, that is like, don't it mean meant that. so fucking much to have that. Even if like, and my sister still is like, oh my God, fuck. I'm, oh my God, I'm going to get emotional about this. Ale, I love you. Um, <laughs> and like, wait for it my, this is just my natural response to like a lot of things is to get emotional like this um but that meant a lot because I have gone to her like for a lot of different things but in the beginning I didn't but having her say that to me it's like you know that you can it, it made the difference that I had no idea I needed and that's one of the things 
that I, as I got older and was going through my own mental health journey, like I, that's one of the reasons I became so open about it. I was like, I don't like how I felt. I don't think it's okay that I feel ashamed to have felt like that. So I was like, I'm going to talk about this and be open about it. Or like the fact that we had to feel so, so alone about it. So alone. Like, but I was like, who understands this? Who can I tell? Who? I think now when I have conversations, like if I remember telling, you know, my parents, like at 17, telling, no, like kind of brushing it off. Mm -hmm. I think now my approach is when I hear someone who's like 17, like, this girl that I know who just turned 18, but she would tell me on 17, she's like, I don't know, I'm stressed about school. And my cousins tell me, like, you know, just do good and you better go to college. And I think to myself, like, those are fucking hard expectations. Yeah. You know, and I think to myself, like, sometimes as some members, we still want to instill the same, like, hey, be great, be great, be great. But you know what? For me, it's like, be good for yourself. Yeah. You know, and I remember telling her that, like, I understand feeling anxiety. I understand the pressures that, you know, you feel from parents. I understand that you know, all this stuff. And honestly, I didn't understand my mom until maybe a couple years ago. So I can see how right now, even if we have this conversation tomorrow, you still might not understand your mom. Yeah. But I see you. I know it's hard. Yeah. I've dealt with that. I still deal with it. I'm this age and I still deal with it. So I can't tell you that one day it'll go away. Yeah. But hopefully you're able to see that, you know, you can manage or you can have someone come help you. Yeah. I have, um, so I have a cousin. When I moved back to California, I live next door to my cousin. And I was 17, almost 18, and she had just turned 12, I think. Huge fucking difference. Yeah. You know, not huge now, because, oh my gosh, she just turned 21. <laughs> it's wild. But um, I, going, since I had been going through mental health for some time, I was like, I want to, and she's the oldest, so I was like, I want to be to you what I needed. No, like, no shade to my sister or whatever, but it's like she was going through her own mental health stuff so I was like I mm-hmm. and because I had gone through it I was like I want to be there until to this day like literally she messaged me a couple days ago I was like hey can we talk on the phone yeah. I have something to say it's like she still reaches out to me despite us being um several states away from each other um but that's something that I wanted to be there for her as like if you need something that you want to talk about with depression anxiety anything like that like or just guiding her through life mm-hmm. if she ever needed something like I tell her I was like as long as you're just being safe and are happy that's all I care about for you and so I was fortunate enough where my, my parents, they, they didn't really like talk, talk about mental health, but it wasn't, um, we didn't not talk about it. Like, it's just a little bit different. Like my dad, it's, it's, it's really cute. Like he's like, um, like very, he, he's, he means it very genuinely, yeah. but the, and that is his best way of being like, how yeah. are you? Are you still going to therapy? You know, how are you doing? Like, they're always asking me these things about it and, and stuff, but like, I wanted to be that for my cousin. Yeah. And, um, I never knew the impact that I'd had up until like she got older. We started talking a little bit more. Um, but like that impact on that one person, I could I could die tomorrow and say that I made an impact in this world as right? well as it is. And that's what I think about now is like with the whole thing of like, I just want to live is like, I want to do for people what I wish I would have gotten for myself. I want to be, I, there's so much I've been like looking into in like this year, like the healing of our inner children, our inner child. Yes. And thinking about like, I was 14 and I was miserable. And you know what? Sometimes there's still things that I think about, like, oh, 12-year-old Christina is still dealing with this shit. And this mm-hmm. is still. But also, as I'm healing my inner child, helping my mom, helping my dad, helping my sister, processing, it's like, their kids right now going through it. And yeah. how can I help them maybe 10 years from now not have to heal that part of them because they started working on it when they were younger. Um, and that's why I like the idea, like I said, as I go back to your podcast, is that I hope that in a way we can connect and whoever you continue to talk to and have these conversations with, 
that there is that connection and understanding. Like you said, like we're all so different, whether people did identify with the Latinx people, Mexicana, Central American, Latina, whatever the case may be, it's like, we're all so different. There's these similar experiences that we had culturally, but now living in this country, living in the Pacific Northwest, living in these areas, it's like, there's other stuff that bonds us now too. Yeah. And, you know, other stuff that's relatable that maybe was not relatable for our parents. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it's like, how do we bring all these people together and hopefully have these conversations or have people who hopefully, you know, hear this and it's what they needed to hear. Like I said, it's where I grew up. Like I grew up in federal way. 60% of the people that I went to school with were Latino, mm-hmm. probably spoke Spanish. My apartments, it was all of us little kids. Like it was an apartment. They call it little Tijuana. Like it's an apartment. Oh, wow. Horror. Like it was horrible, you know, but you fucking have these experiences. Everyone speaks Spanish. All the parents speak Spanish, although, you know, so it's like, that's how we're going to communicate. Then I was in school and I remember one of the best friends that I met early on was someone who came here was also an immigrant, but didn't know English. And I remember we were in kindergarten and I was like, Hey, they're asking you this. Cause I had already been in preschool two years. So I know I knew both a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, no sabes inglés. And she was like, no. And so I would translate for her and we became friends that way. And so it's like, and then I don't know. It was just never a thing for me. It's something that I've always liked. I worked at a school for six years and the last four years um, I was working with families and it was families in the white center area, Bury and South Park area. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I was able to communicate with them in Spanish. I mm-hmm. thought to myself, I don't think they probably think that I speak this well, mm-hmm. you know, but I love that I was able to, I think for me, it's something that I still try to keep. When I'm with my sister and my cousins, like, and my cousins are, like, our age, mm-hmm. we'll talk in mostly English, but I have a cousin who's 27, and he's also lived here his whole life, but he's also an immigrant, but he'll literally be like, yo no sé inglés. Even though this fool works at a restaurant, like, obviously he knows it, but with him, we speak Spanish, because mm-hmm. that's just, and that, for me, I think the reason why I incorporate Spanish so much into my conversations is because when I get going and I get passionate about stuff, that's when I can bring it in. Mm-hmm. But I also love to be around people whether they speak it well or not, I love to be around people who understand it. Yeah. Because then you can see kind of how my tone changes, how my attitude changes, how the stuff that I say changes. Um, and I'll talk to people. I know, like, in college, I would start to ranting and I'd incorporate Spanish. I'd be like, oh, sorry, like, do you speak it? Because I know that there's some people already who don't, right? So I'd be like, oh, sorry, do you speak it? Let me know, like, you know, and I'll, yeah. and they'd be like, no, no, it's okay. Well, yeah, I do, right? And I'd be like, okay. Um, right now, I work in a restaurant and everyone in the kitchen speaks Spanish Mm -hmm. and you can see the difference for people who don't speak Spanish and trying to communicate. Um, I think for me, what I've seen with the language and something that I appreciate about the language is just also the respect aspect that you can get with older generations and like your elders and stuff. Mm -hmm. And just like, como saludas y como te presentas con la gente, te despidas lo que sea. I think that for me, it's just a big, big part of who we've been, but because, because you know how you said like with LA or whatever, the Bay area, you were never like the white was the minority. I Mm -hmm. think for me, it's because it was the minority here and everybody spoke Spanish. It just wasn't something that any of us were like maybe embarrassed about or like, you know, I used to think that everyone, and when I was growing up, I used to think everyone understood Dora, like English (laughs) and Spanish legit for the longest time. And then that, yeah. And so now I remember even, and that's the thing when you navigate the school system, like I remember just a little tangent. I went to Mexico to see my grandmother before she passed away when I was eight. We came back and they wanted to put me in ESL. Mm. And my mom was like, no. Mm-hmm. And she went to the office and she's like, no, because even though she went to Mexico, she still knows English. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you have to be able to do both. You have to be able to do both very well. Yeah. 
the reason why I know Spanish so well, though, too, and I'll give the only thing I'll give credit to the church for my whole existence is the fact that because I would go to church like four times a week, Christian church, I would read the Bible very frequently and participate mm-hmm. in conversations in Spanish. And it was a Spanish church. So it was like all the reading, all the vocabulary that I had, everything was like in Spanish. So I had to really navigate how to read and write it very well. If not, I don't know if it would have been the same. And I contribute my Spanish to going to Mexico every summer. And oh, like, that's yeah. the only language I would speak. I mean, I had cousins who would like me to speak English, but I, I can't speak Spanish to my, to my grandma. Yeah, exactly. I, you, there is no option. Exactly. And so um, with my parents, I can that. And I, my parent, my because my parents, um, I don't know if your parents, do they speak English? No. Because my parents well, don't either. My parents do speak English at work. My mom, when she was here and I was like five years old, she went to ESL like my classes. Mm-hmm. And she took English courses yeah. so she can read and write. Yeah. Um, But to us, they only speak Spanish. My sister and them will speak Spanish, and I know in our group chats, like my Do you sister still live with mom, your parents? Mm-hmm. Okay. My sister and me and my mom will text her in English. My mom will respond in Spanish. Yeah. Or we'll text her in English. Yeah. Or we'll text my dad in, in English sometimes, but he'll just respond in Spanish. I have cousins who are younger now, like 16, 17, who don't speak Spanish. Like, they don't like to. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens is when you make fun of the no sabo kid, the no sabo that's kid exactly. never wants yep. to learn. Yep. And that's fucked up. But yep. we do it. Yep. We should not do it because then they don't want to learn. My niece is four, my cousin's daughter. And my aunt, who's her grandma, will always be like, I don't know My niece is like, rolls her eyes and stuff. But I speak to her in English because that's how she likes to communicate. And she communicates. And, you know, she feels comfortable. So I'm just like, her grandma's giving her the Spanish. Maybe I should give her the Spanish. Honestly, I probably should so that they don't lose it. But this is how this kid wants to communicate with me. So that's what I'll do. You know? So it's just like, it's tricky because even I know myself. Like, she might grow up. And what if she doesn't know perfect Spanish? Is it going to be because of me? Because of her mother? Because of whoever that wasn't speaking to her in Spanish every single day? But it's just like we, I don't know, it's going to be different, I guess, for the younger generations, but we just have to try or see how it goes or yeah. hopefully like it. Like I said, we make fun of the no sabo kids, like it's funny, but it's like, what are we doing to help these kids? Are we yeah. speaking to them regularly in Spanish? In terms of growing up, so like I said, the apartments that we grew up in, and this is just a quick, and this is always the first story that comes to my head. Yeah. The apartments that we grew up in were mostly Mexican. One year we got landlords who were white mm-hmm. and they had a white daughter mm-hmm. and I was like in third grade. And I realized that this white daughter took the same bus as me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, she lives here too. Mm-hmm. I never thought anything of it. But I remember I said, do you want to come over later to my apartment? Mm-hmm. Since you live here, we can hang out. And she came and she told me my dad said no because you guys are Mexican. How old were you? Third grade. Wow. And I was confused. I was like, what the fuck? Because I had never had a white friend. So I didn't yeah. know why that's how people thought. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Because when you live in ignorance of this perfect world where everyone's Mexican around you and everyone speaks your language and all your friends speak your language or whatever, and then you invite the little white girl to come over and she says no because of this reason. I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. And I told my mom, she's like, no, like, caso. She's like, like, tenis, sabe, okay? and I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. But she was like, my mom blew. That's the thing too, is we have to give credit to our parents. They're over here like, whatever. Meanwhile, I was like, but she's one of my friends. My mom was probably just like, we've dealt with this shit before. Yeah. We had another landlord who spoke English, who was white, white lady. At this point, my mom didn't know how to communicate that well in English. And I remember she was saying something. And I was the person in my family who was like, go. Diles que dije eso, dije eso, dije lo otro. Y tú ve, les dices, Cristina, no nos dieron eso bien en la tienda. Vas y vas a hablar tú. All right. So I'm like, no fucking, I'm up there, right? Yeah. Trying to square up with everybody in English. I was saying something to that manager. I'm very young, so probably like middle school. Yeah. And she's giving me attitude. Mm-hmm. And I noticed it's attitude in English. And I'm upset at why the fuck are you giving me attitude? My mom's sitting right here and you're giving her attitude. So I'm just going back. She said, tell your mom that I don't like your attitude because the way you're speaking to me right now is not okay. 
And I said, no, that's how you're speaking to me too. Because I was like, first of all, but it's like, they, it's like the audacity. That's what I'm saying. Like when everyone was surprised about this Trump stuff and the white ladies and all this stuff, I was just like, I've experienced this. These women, these Karens existed before there was a Karen, mm-hmm. you know, I'm what, 12 years old and you want to, you want me in Spanish to tell my mom that I disrespect you with how I speak to you. You're disrespecting me. No, that. And so, yeah. And so I think because of that, we grew, like all of our landlords were right. We had, you don't realize that this is not normal. We had another landlord who was right. We would get rid of all these people like this. Then another one who at 7 PM, if we were all playing outside and running around because we were loud, would call the police. Police on brown children. Little kids would call the police to get us inside. That's not okay. No. Right? And this is the shit that they would do. And we grew up thinking like, oh, why are you poor? That's why I'm telling you, in this world, in this society, it's taken me time. I have white friends. I'm that person. I have white friends now. I have white (laughs) friends now, whatever, whatever. But growing up, white people were not the safest people to be around. Because of that, because of those racial experiences, yeah. because they felt the need to police brown children, black children. Who does that? Right. We're in high school. Imagine if like all the stuff that's gone on now with police brutality and like black lives. Back then, why the fuck are you a white person calling the police on people? Don't do that. Right. That's what happens. Like you create these monsters of children. They grow up and like, you know, no. And that's what I think. It's like we deal with this racism. We deal with this whatever. Like someone in high school was like. I was talking to this guy, and he's like, my friend told me not to talk to you because Mexican girls try to get pregnant easily. <gasps> the <laughs> fucking audacity. But it's like stuff. But at that point, it's laughable because you're just yeah. like, are you stupid? Wow. But you hear this stuff, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, I, first of all, I don't want to get pregnant. Like, what? You know, but I was like, my friend said that all the Mexican girls just want to get pregnant fast when they talk to guys. Who the fuck says that? Like, who believes that these things are okay? And that's shit that we have to navigate. Like, we navigate that. But I was living in this world with my friends in the apartments, and I was just like, oh, no, everyone's cool. I went to college. I went to Washington State University in Pullman, Washington. It's by Spokane, 10 minutes from Moscow, Idaho. Yeah. I remember fucking the brochures. This is how they lied to me, right? They show you the diversity brochure, and you're like, oh, my God, this is, like, the most diverse school I'm ever going to go to. Like, this is, like, high school. No. I showed up, predominantly white institution. I didn't know what that meant. I show up and I'm just like, how the fuck am I going to relate to anybody here? I know nobody here. The people who are from Yakima, the Valley, everybody, those people, Walla Walla has one high school or I did back when I went, right? So it's like everybody's homies. If you went to the same high school, your homies. Federal Way has four high schools, five high schools. If someone's from this high school and I went to this high school, we probably never crossed paths in this Yeah. Day. So I show up. I know nobody. There's all these people and I was just like, there's no fucking way I'm going to be able to do this. Wow. Like, it's crazy. And that's what happens. Like, I lived in this federal way bubble of, like, everyone's a minority. We're all fucking struggling. We all live maybe in, like, poor-ass apartments. We're all trying to hustle. We're all trying to work when we're six, 15, 16. Yeah. And then I go here, and there's these white girls from Spokane talking about all this beautiful shit, and their parents are doctors. My sister says that. She's like, I go to school where most people's parents are parents who are also pharmacists, who are lawyers and doctors. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Not us. Yeah. So it's just like, that's the crazy stuff that you realize that you like, oh yeah, my racial identity was always such a big deal, but because of things like that, because you don't realize that people don't want to hang out with Mexicans. You don't realize that people think Mexicans, I mean, yeah, Mex- you know, Mexicans get pregnant, all these stereotypes and you're like, wait, what? Or you're in high school in advanced classes and it's, you're pretty smart for a Mexican. Oof. Right. And then micro, it's not until I went to college and I was like, oh, there's a word for that microaggressions. What the fuck? I didn't know that. Yeah. All of that stuff. And it's just like, why were we trying to complacent all these people? 
who are still like backhanded complimenting me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One last thing. Okay. So with every, every country that someone is from, I try to get some information so I can learn more about it countries as well. And so I'm like, okay, well you're from Mexico. That's all I'm like, what state are you from? So I was like, I did not, I, I, again, I barely know shit outside of okay. my little few towns there. And so I was like, okay, well, Aguascalientes, I literally, it borders Jalisco. I had no idea. Yeah. So my grandmother, yeah. the one who died a year and a half yeah. ago, she was from Jalisco. She had green eyes. So that's, <laughs> when I see your features, and I don't want people to be like, oh, why are you doing that? When I see your features, I, I see someone from Jalisco. You yeah. look like the, not to generalize, yeah. you look like the Jalisco girls from social media. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, when you're like, people say that, I'm like, what? I'm like, I can see in your features though. Yeah. Because different places. So for example, like, Aguascalientes, more nor- northern areas, middle, Zacatecas. It's known as a heart. Yeah, and so what happens is that we do have a lot of, like, light skin, like, you know, passing privilege. It's the truth. Yeah. But it is a lot of people in those areas. And so, yeah, okay. Neighbors, Jalisco, other facts that you Yeah, um, so it's named after the hot springs that are mm-hmm. found there. Um, and some fun things that are located in there. It's called Boca de, de, de Tunel. Mm-hmm. adventure park there's hanging bridges zip lines and horseback rides which i thought was really cool um and then i decided to be like okay are there any people from from this. from there and so um do you know who luis Gerardo mendez is uh-huh. okay so he was um he's not super well known i i think of because i only knew about him until a couple months ago but he was in narcos mexico he's in murder mystery the one with adam sandler oh i do know because he's you know that guy what? he's that guy yeah, yeah. I remember he was like, I was gonna say something, and I was like, this guy's from Aguascalientes. Yes, I know which one. Yeah, you say murder mystery. He's in a movie called Half Brothers. It's fucking hilarious. Okay. I don't recall what it's on, but if you are, he's funny. It's it's funny in there. Um, and then one last thing. Um, Yadira Carillo is an actress. Yeah. The novelas from there, and then Santorino Eran is a painter. He yeah. was influential to Latin culture in the late 19th century and early 20th century. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much like the uh, the last of it. Um, Something so you, I can say about Aguascalientes. Yeah. Our birria is different than the birria that people know, right? Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll explain. So because birria became very popular recently with a lot of the stores opening up, have you been to like the local ones? Like birria no. Tijuana, birria... No. Okay. You know what? So what We're happens is that like... when you're... Yes. What happens is that Guadalajara and certain areas have birria, but it's the res, right? Yeah. In Aguascalientes, we call that barbacoa. Yeah. In Aguascalientes, our birria is literally chivo. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? All? Yeah, it's and but, it's only birria with chivo. That's what right, I thought. Exactly. That's what I thought, too. And then I went to eat, and everyone's like, this is birria. And my mom had to give me a lesson because, and Netflix has, like, this taco one, too. Like, yeah, this yeah. taco chronicles, and they'll go over birria tacos. And they go to Aguascalientes. They go to Tijuana. They go to, like, Guadalajara. They go to other places because other places, that's what, different, what the difference is in the States. It's like, yeah. every, that's also, people shit on so much shit. Like, that's not real birria. Yeah, because this and this, isn't that? It's like who the fuck cares? Let's just say this is what my country represents. This is what my state does. Um, because you know how even like, oh, you call um that torta this and this, we call it this. You call this taco this, that carne, it's called this. You call why the fuck do we constantly feel the need to correct each other? Oh, your mole is uh, dulce, mine spicy. Why are we literally duh? Different states have different food. The barbecue in one southern state is going to be different, right, in the United States and a yeah. different barbecue. Yeah. That's how it is. You can come here to Washington and find your favorite fucking teriyaki spot that is different from another teriyaki spot. So when people are, like, shitting on, like, well, that's not real this, that's not real this, I was also that way. I was like, isn't that barbacoa? Because I got I got taken there to eat there, right, to, like, Tijuana. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't birria, though, because this is beef. And they're like, no, it is. 
And while I'm trying to over here argue, right, because at that point I want to be like one of those little Mexican warriors who's like fighting on social media, apparently. My mom was like, no, es que no vamos caliente se come así. Mm -hmm. With us, we do like a very light consomme mm -hmm. that you get, and then that's what you dip it in. It's literally like, for me, it's so good, but we can eat it in caldo and everything. I miss it. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because if people listen, then maybe that's something that can connect them. Because yeah, there's like so many Virginia places now, and everyone's doing it. That shit got popular because of the Virginia queso tacos. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for me, it was like a culture shock because I was like, I've never had this, but I have. It's barbacoa. And people were like, that's not barbacoa. That's this person's Virginia. And it's just great. Like I said, so many things make us different. Yeah. Even the food. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know about yeah. that. Okay, that well, I learned about that. Um, all right, do you have any like shout outs or any social media you'd like to share before we end? I have my own social media. I mean, you can follow me if this post, maybe you can just post my Insta, like put my Instagram handle on it. If you want to share TikTok. that. Yeah, I honestly don't care. If you end up finding me <laughs> on Instagram, it's underscore Christina, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, Medina, M-E-D-I-N-A, and an extra A, two A's. Um, And I'm public because I honestly don't give a fuck. Yeah. But... <laughs> anything resonates and you like me shout out if not don't even comment i'm not the kind of person who likes negative shit yeah yeah <laughs> but right. yeah that's it and so um yeah hopefully anybody who listens like we said earlier if you relate to monica relate to me that's good if you don't relate to either that's totally fine too it is what it is i do want to mention we did not get coffee today today was <laughs> tea like i said it's caffeine was involved it's from yifeng and federal way Really yeah, Monica asked, and so my favorite go-to boba <laughs> is actually black tea, no sugar, um, with pearls. So yeah, yeah.